Well, I'd normally tell you to have a seat, but no one's in the room. So wherever you're at, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting us into your living room or wherever you're streaming. It is so good to be with you uh, this morning, wherever you're streaming, wherever you're streaming from. Uh, just a couple quick things before we dive into our time of teaching. We just want to remind you of how we want you to grow, to be a more devoted follower of Christ, even in the midst of this very uncertain time. The first is just to gather. Normally, we would say gather on the weekend, but we don't want you to gather on site. We want you to gather online. Continue to gather with us online each weekend at 9 and 1030 on Sunday mornings like you're doing now. Uh, also, we encourage you to grow in a group, but we've asked you for the time being so that uh, we can help stop the spread of this disease, that we'd uh, push pause on just meeting together as a group. But there's other ways to grow in a group by staying connected, whether that's in social media or email or just calling each other, praying for each other, or perhaps even just being a really good neighbor and being aware of a need around you that you can easily uh, meet if you are healthy and able to do so. Last one's just to give. Uh, there's actually a button uh, right up here to your upper right that will take you straight to our gift page. If you're in the habit of giving in person, this is a great opportunity to continue to do that. You'll be doing it in person, just online. And so I would encourage you uh, to take advantage of that opportunity, even if it's not your habit to do so. Well, again, we're grateful to be here in our community and stay tuned into our social media as well as our website as we will post constant updates on how we are going to come around the most vulnerable in our church and in our community. With that, let's go ahead and dive into our time of teaching this morning. Thanks again for tuning online. My name's Mark, one of the pastors here at Door Creek. I'm actually the lead pastor. I work with a great group of people who have been scrambling all week to get us to this point and figure out how are we going to be doing church as we move forward here, just navigating this coronavirus outbreak. So we're a church that we say is a Christ-centered church for all people. So if this is your first time uh, catching up with Door Creek, Translated means this is a good place for you. Wherever you're at, we're glad that you're here, you're listening in, and we want to help you take the next step in your journey. Typically on the weekend, we're gathered in three locations, one church in three locations, up in DeForest, uh, on the north side of Madison, here on the east side at our Sprecher Road campus. And so I'm just imagining that we're all gathered, scattered across the city I just saw some of the links coming in literally around this country and uh, around the world as well. So as we gather today uh, and for the foreseeable future, I was thinking about that child program that I grew up with. This is kind of uh, pre-Sesame Street, Romper Room, Miss Nancy. And she had this little magic mirror and she'd be just saying like, I see Jimmy and I see Susie and like, I wish I could see you right now. Uh, because I, I know some of you are in your PJs right now. Pastor David, I see you. Pastor Ryan, I see you in your PJs. But anyways, seriously, 
Man, if there's ever a message I wanted to see the whites of your eyes, this is the message. But, but here we are. And as I was thinking about today and this week and where we're at, I was thinking about a wise friend of mine who said every leader should be thinking about these questions all the time. The first question is, what time is it? Not literally what time it is, but organizationally. Where, where are we at? The other question is, uh, who's in the room? Right now, nobody's in the room. But who's in the room? What do they need? So when it comes to what time it is, what I realize, and I think you know, it's not business as usual, is it? Nor is it time to throw a party. We are in the midst of this coronavirus outbreak, and everything's changing. And we want to be present and find God in the midst of this and help him help us find our way through this storm. And so we've heard, right, World Health Organization has called it a pandemic. Our president has declared a national emergency. And so everything's changing. Our shopping's changing, right? I mean, what is going on? Who stole all the teepee, by the way? You look at the, the shelves here, and like there's empty shelves, and there's crowds like never before. Our shopping has changed. Our schooling is changing, right? Our governor in our state has declared that from Wednesday uh, at 5 p.m. all the way through April 6th, all the schools, public, private, they're closed. Our schooling's changing. Our, our finances, our financial security is changing. If uh, a week or two ago you had a 401k, let me suggest it's like a 301g right now. I mean, what in the world? The worst day in the markets this past week since Black Friday, 1987. And there's a bunch of us who are going, I'm not worried about my 401. I'm not worried about my retirement. I'm worrying about my paycheck right now. How I'm going to pay the bills? Are my hours going to get reduced? How in the world are we going to take care of our kids and hold down our jobs? So that's changing. Uh, not only that, um, our relationships are changing, right? So right now in Italy, nation is on lockdown. They're telling us we need to take uh, precautions to not be too close, six feet away. You've heard that, right? And so our relationships are, are changing. I was remembering back to 9-11. Some of us are too young for that. But let me tell you, one of the eerie things of 9-11 after the horror of it all was walking outside and realizing there's no planes in the sky and there was an eerie silence that right now I think is a, is a growing silence in our communities or in a city like this, this is Milan on Thursday. Milan, Italy, a city of 1.3 million people. And there's nobody on the streets. In fact, the officials are saying if you're on the streets, not going for groceries or medicine, you know, we could throw you in jail. So that's changing. Everything is changing. Our vocabulary is changing. All of a sudden, there's new words like who knew? Social distancing? I've never heard that word. Uh, touch points. I never thought about that word, coronavirus, novel coronavirus, COVID-19, and, and all these new words that we've heard before, but we're just, they're stacked on themselves over and over again, canceled, suspended, postponed. It's all changing. Our favorite pastimes disappearing. Are you kidding me? March Madness, gone. The Masters, gone. NLB, right? The the, the, the Major League Baseball, the NBA, the Hockey League, 
Now Disney's shut down, right? Uh, Broadway is shut down. And in places around this world, restaurants, eating out is shut down. So, I mean, it's all changing. And it's literally moving under our feet. And it's changing hour by hour this week. I can't tell you how many hours of meetings I've been in and how day to day and hour to hour it's been changing. And so, uh, let me suggest this isn't the time to figure out why this has happened and to pin blame on someone. Nor is it the time to figure out what are we supposed to learn from it. We're going to have those perspectives and, and retrospectives as we have time to reflect, but that's still out in the future. Right now, we need to find ourselves right here where we are in the midst of it. And as we find ourselves in the midst of it, even though we've been chasing all this information through the media and through our internet, now's the time actually to, to chase after God, to turn to him, to actually tune into his voice, the information he wants to give us and to actually access the peace that he offers in the midst of the storms of life. So when you think about that next question, who's in the room? I, I mean, this map of the world where it's breaking out kind of shows you that, like, we're all in the room, not just from Door Creek or Madison or Wisconsinites or Americans, but, I mean, the Italians and the Iranians and the French and the Koreans and the Chinese. We're all in the room. And when you think about what they need, you, you know, this is you, right? There, there are people that are going, yeah, this is great that you've caught up with my life, but I've been in a storm long before coronavirus. There's others who are saying, yeah, I, I, I'm in a storm. It's not coronavirus, but this is like, this is the first big one for me. And, and others of us are going, man, I, I'm just fearful, and I, I'm gripped with anxiety, and I'm gripped with worry. And yet there's others that go, it's not going to touch me. You, you feel invincible. Uh, who's in the room? There are people daily who are putting themselves in harm's way, and the rest of us who are praying for you and trying to stay out of the way. Who's in the room? I've run across this this past week. People who are angry, who frustrated, who are convinced this whole thing is a hoax. And then there are other people in the room who are trying to figure out, how's this going to work? The kids at home, we both have jobs, or I have a job, and uh, how, how are my kids going to get the meals that I've been depending on the schools to give them the meals? And and uh, how, how is this going to work if I have to cut back my hours? Am I going to have the money to pay the rent? Lots and lots of things, lots of emotions, lots of thoughts. And what I know that we need is we need something solid. When I'm in a storm, I'm not looking for fluff. I'm not looking for sand. I'm looking for bedrock. I'm looking for something solid. And we need hope. Across this world, people are looking for hope and desperately longing for a peace that settles deep, a peace that the Bible will describe passes, surpasses our human understanding. Hope to navigate the storm, peace to quell the fears. And one of the, the harsh realities, but a gift in its way, to a crisis like this is actually they point out things that are important for us to know about, like the cracks in our foundation, like the fragileness of our very lives and existence, about the reality that we're not nearly as in control of things as we think we are, uh, as to the fact that oftentimes 
our hopes are pinned, our priorities are in places that are, are the wrong places, and the crisis is giving us new eyes to see this, and, and we want to hold on to those and not lose those lessons. So in a crisis, it's hard to gain perspective. When I think of a crisis, I just think of, man, it's just, you know, it's just one step and another step, and, and my gaze just gets right down to that next step. But the truth is, we've all been trying to gain perspective, and we've been chasing it on the Internet, and now we want to just quiet ourselves, and we want to hear from God. And God has a good word for us, you guys, a great word from Psalm 46 that opens in with these words. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, just click up above on the screen. You'll see uh, on the sidebar there, you can access a Bible. We're in Psalm 46. So Psalm is in the middle of our Bible. It's a collection of 150 songs that were written for the Jewish people, a lot of them about 1,000 years before Jesus. These were sung. I'm not going to sing this message, but I'm going to read the song that breaks out into three verses, if you will. Verse 1 is 1 through 3. The second verse is in 4 through 7, the third in 8 through 11. Hear God's word and be comforted. For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, which is likely a musical instrument, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So there's a lot of pictures whenever we're reading the poetic sections of Scripture. And there's more than three, but there's going to be three big pictures, and we're going to look at those in just a bit. There's a picture of a strong tower, there's a picture of a river, and there's a picture of a heap of weapons that are smoldering in a fire. Now, he starts in verse 1, giving us a clear picture of who God is in the midst of a crisis in a storm, right? He's our refuge, he's our strength, and he's our ever-present help in trouble. Now, those three characteristics and qualities about God Bring about the therefore of verse 2. Do you see the therefore? Therefore, we will not fear. Why, don't we, why aren't we given to fear? Why can be, we be delivered from fear in the midst of this crisis? Because of who God is. He's, he's our strong tower, safe place. He's our strength. And he's 
always with us to help us. So let's just unpack that. This idea of him being a refuge. Here's a, a picture of a strong tower. I think it's actually a tower in Windsor Castle. I, I love how Isaiah puts it. You, God, have been a shelter from the storm. So when, when we see this picture, uh, we think about what we're thinking about right now as like a safe place. So where's your safe place right now? I can almost get, guess right now where you feel safest right now is in the comfort of your apartment or in your home, your condo. That's where we feel safe. And that's a logical thing. I remember uh, a long time ago when our oldest two were 8 and 10, Lauren Bridget, and we were out in Colorado. We joined with family at this ranch, this Christian camp, and it was the day that we could climb the mountain, and the girls had passed in the years before. They said, Dad, this year we want to climb Horn Peak with you. So look at this awesome picture of Horn Peak. It's some 13,000 uh, just a little under 500 feet. Obviously, this is a picture in winter. We weren't climbing with this much snow on it. So we go out early in the morning. We're going up the mountain. These girls are being like billy goats. They're going up and up, and it's awesome. And when you get to the top of Horn Peak or any mountain, what you want to do is catch your breath and just take in the view of the majesty of the mountain ranges, right? And so we didn't have that opportunity. Because when we got up to the top, let me tell you, the storms were coming in. You could see the dark clouds. They were like right about on us. You could see the strikes of lightning. You guys, there was electricity in the air like I've never seen before or heard before. The air was crackling all around us. When I looked down at the girls, their hair was like sticking out because of the electricity. And so, man, I knew we've got to get off this mountain. It started to rain. And then it turned to sleet. And then it was hail. And then it started to snow. And I grabbed those little girls' hands and I asked for a guy to help me. And I got those girls off that mountain way above tree line, right? Way above. And we were looking for that refuge. And for me, it was, we got to get to tree line. And God's telling us, as you're looking for safety and security right now, it's not a place. It's me. It's me, the Lord God who made us and loves us. He says, I'm your safe place. I'm your strength is the next thing he says. And if there's anything we know about storms, now we're, we're all expecting this, this storm is going to pass. How long, we don't know. But we're just very hopeful and confident this too is going to pass. But there's a bunch of us that are in storms that go on and on. And one of the things that storms do is they pummel us. And they weaken us. And they reveal the weakness of our own fragile state, physical, emotional, spiritual, as we find ourselves in the fight of our lives. But God says, I just want you to know, I'm your strength. So that even when we're weak, we can know the strength of God. Not only that, he says, and I think this is one of the best parts of verse 1, I'm an ever-present ever help in trouble. It's not like he's saying, hey, guys, I know where you're at. I see you. I'm up here in heaven. I'm sending angels. Or you know what? I'm kind of busy right now because I'm chasing this thing all around the world. So just hang on. It's coming soon. No, he says, I'm right here right now to help you. That is awesome that the God of this universe cares about each one of us and wants us to know, you guys, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here with you. I've got security for you. I've got strength for you so that you don't have to be ravaged by fear. And so the imagery of the tower, without using the words, is run into the safe place. Grab hands with your loved ones. Run 
to God's presence. Run into the security and strength that he offers at a time like this. When your world's collapsing and the foundations of your life are crumbling. So wouldn't it be interesting if there was an app on our phone that would locate our fear? Because I know we generally could have fear right now over the coronavirus, but that's not helpful. Like if you could actually, you know, we do that like on our, on our maps, right? And you can, you can press the icon and then that boop, that's where we are, right there. Where, where are you right there? What are you afraid of? For some of us, it's the health of a loved one that right now we can't even go see. For some of us, honestly, it's just ourselves. Like, I don't want to catch it. And if I catch it, man, I, I don't want to be on the wrong side of the statistics. I don't want to get sick. And if I get sick, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that st- statistic. I, I, I don't want to die, afraid of dying. There's others of us who, whose fears are all wrapped up right now in financial security, That's what we're afraid of. It's important for us to locate it and understand that God's presence in our life, his loving presence in our life, does one profound thing. It chases out fear. 1 John 4.18. God's perfect love chases away our fears. So we're pressing in to God's great love in the midst of the storm. So the first verse is about a tower. The tower is about God's offer to be the safe place. The second picture is the river. Now, if you go back to verses four through seven, what you notice is the river is in the midst of the city of God. This is a reference to Jerusalem. That's where the temple is. That's where God resided with his people. And the city often was used uh, metaphorically as an image for all of God's people. So here's this image, that there's a river, right, whose streams make glad. So I'm thinking, uh, well, look at this beautiful picture of the river, right? So I couldn't find the right image, and this isn't the right image exactly, but there's a river, there's a city, and the reason it would make the the, the citizens glad is because you could drink it. Like, you know, we love to go to Chicago, we love to go to Milwaukee, and they, they got great rivers, but it doesn't make me glad in this way that that's going to sustain my life. Like, I could drink and live from that, because the image isn't just of a river running through a city, but it's a city being surrounded by an enemy. They've besieged the city. We get, so we got to catch up with ancient warfare. They've cut it off from all its supplies, right? And so there's this waiting game. And who's going to win the waiting game? Are the supplies within the city going to be able to position the citizens of the city to endure and outlast the army outside and their supplies? And so you don't have water that you can drink. Those are the waters that make you glad here in this verse. Uh, It's going to be over in no time. But he says, look, I've got a supply. I've got a supply of grace that's going to sustain your life and you're not going to fall. The enemy's not going to defeat you. And at break of day, isn't it great that it says at break of day? Because break of day comes when? Right after the darkest night. It's always said the darkest night is right before sunrise. And at the break of day, right after we're we're thinking it's over with, it, 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 it can't get any worse, he breaks in our great God, with a great supply so that we won't be defeated and knocked off our feet. 
So it's really interesting. You know, the person whose God is their refuge and strength will not fall. In other words, stand strong. That's juxtaposed to everything that's moving in this psalm. The earth, the mountains, the waters, the nations, the kingdoms. And, and I love how it says when God lifts his voice, the power of his voice makes the earth melt. And so God's word is part of that life-giving supply. And we'll just talk a little bit about God's word. Man, this is our life, you guys. And you're going through a storm. I can't point you to a better part of God's word than the book of Psalms. Man, it's in the Psalms that you find resonance with your emotions, your feelings, your fight. And you go, that's just how I feel. Those are the questions I've been asking. And it's in the Psalms that we're introduced to this great God who made us and knows us and loves us and provides everything that we need. So I can't tell you how profound it would be for you this week to memorize Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, so that you could just close your eyes and maybe it's at night when you're most fearful or maybe it's when you just got some more bad news and you just go, but, but I remember, Lord, you're my shepherd. I've got everything that I need. Lord, thanks for leading me into green pastures and feeding me right now. Thank, thanks for leading me beside the quiet waters so I can drink. Thanks for restoring my soul. Thanks for guiding me in the right paths for your name's sake. And even though I'm walking through this dark valley, I'm not afraid because you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And you just, you're meditating at God's word, our strength. God's word, powerful. Jesus asleep in the boat, the story tells us in the Gospels. And the storm's breaking out. The commercial fishermen who are now his disciples are freaking out. And, and, and they're going, Jesus, how can you be sleeping right now? Get up. And he gets up. And he, all he says is, peace, be still. And it says, it was completely calm. The power of God's word to anchor our souls and to tie down our thoughts and our feelings. Here's, here's what I can tell you. Um, we listen to our own thoughts. We listen to our own feelings. We listen to the thinking and thoughts of other people. But let me tell you, there's no guarantee that those thoughts, those feelings will take you to what is true. It's only God that can do that. So we stay in God's word. So there's the picture, right, of the tower. Now we had the picture of the river, and now we've got our third picture. But the psalm takes a turn here. So there's been these declarations of who God is, the implications that we shouldn't be afraid, that we're not going to get knocked off our feet, but we can stand st strong here in the midst of the storm. And now verse 8 comes like an invitation. Come and see. Everything's written in the past, in the future tense, uh, or present and future tense, and now it's in the past tense. Come and see what the Lord has done. Here's what I think is going on in verses 8 through 11. And we've done this, right? So we're reading a novel and we go, I wonder how this thing ends. And we just go, I want, I, want, I want to read the last few pages. And it's like God is saying to us, hey, let me give you a sneak preview of how this whole thing ends. Because when we know the end of the story and who wins at the end of the story, how it's not the storm we're in. It's not the enemy that's besieged around us. It's not the virus that threatens our very existence. When we see who wins at the end of the day and what God is going to do at the end of the day, aha, we have this wonderful opportunity to be still. 
And so it's written in the past tense because the Bible oftentimes, the prophets will speak in what we refer to as the prophetic past. They're talking about the future and they're saying, so sure are we of what's going to happen in the future that we're referencing it in the past. And so he's saying, this is what's going to happen. Desolations are going to come. Wars are going to be ceased. The bow, the spear, and all the weapons of war, they're going to be destroyed, burned up. But I'm going to be exalted above the nations, above the earth. And so, be still, because you know the end of the story. So, maybe the picture here could be like a pile of weapons, like, like this. Now, you guys are card-carrying NRAs. This is not a statement about, so don't send me your emails, all right? It's just, I couldn't find a picture of shields and bows and arrows burning up in a fire. This is as close as I get, all right? So, it's the imagery of peace, of of. The enemy defeated. This, in ancient times, this is what the enemies would do. This is what the, the victors would do. They, they would burn up all the enemy's weapons, that, that he wins, that he's, that he's bringing in peace. Wars cease. He's, he's painting the picture at the end of the story. And with that picture, he, he gives us not a suggestion, but actually a strong command. So be still. This is a command. It literally means put your hands down. Put your hands down. So I never read this verse without thinking about Lori's and mine first date. So uh, it was a double date. Scott and Cheryl, Lori and myself, we went to University of uh, Minnesota Library. We did some studying. I think we did. And then uh, we were driving back to Bethel College. And this sounds so corny, but it's actually true. There was a park and the lake's name was Lake Valentine. Don't you love it? Yeah, so there we were on the shores of Lake Valentine. Cheryl's getting the dessert ready, and Lori's job was to blindfold Scott and me and lead us on a wild goose chase while Cheryl's getting everything set up. And so Lori's got us, you know, stepping over imaginary, ducking under branches, and she's laughing. I can hear Cheryl in the parking lot laughing. I'm going, I don't trust this woman for anything. I might like her, but I don't trust her. So I can tell you, my eyes might have been blindfolded, but my hands were not like this. My hands were like out here. Like, I do not want to have a face-to-face encounter with a serious oak tree right here at this picnic point. So this is the idea. God says he knows our disposition, that we're afraid, that we're in a protective mode, that we might be fighting the storm. You see, he's saying, put your hands down. I see you. I've got you. I know you can't see me. I know it's hard to trust me, but listen, I, I, I'm going to lead you. I am that safe place. I, I'm going to lead you to the life-giving supplies that you need right now. Put your hands down. Trust me. Trust me. And so these pictures are profound. And they remind us that at this time in our life, you know, we could run into that tower or try to find our own. We could tap into God's life giving supply that'll keep us on our feet or, or think we just need to keep stocking up our, our supplies at home, our medicines or our information. Uh, we could have our hands up or we can hand, have our hands down and, and lean in on the God who knows and loves us. And so the Chinese have this super interesting word for crisis. It's actually made up of two different characters Uh, You can see it in duplicate, the traditional writing on top and then the simplified below. So the one is danger and the other is opportunity. With every crisis, 
there's danger, there's opportunity. So let's just kind of just go through the danger and the opportunity here as we think about this. The danger is we give in to fear and worry. We become completely overwhelmed. The opportunity is we grow in our faith and our trust. The danger is we dress up our fears and the responses to our fear and we call it wisdom the opportunity is we actually address our fears, we own our fears, live courageously, bringing those fears to God, to each other. The danger is discouragement can literally ruin our days. The opportunity is that encouragement could rule the day. The danger is we deny it, living in cynicism and suspicion. The opportunity is we embrace it, growing in our love and compassion for others. The danger, we put our own interests first, right? And we operate in this kind of self-preservationist mentality. Uh, the, the opportunity is we put the interest of others first. That's what we've been studying in Philippians, right? And, and we learn to become uh, selfless servants. The, the danger here is we develop a hoarding mindset. Well, that, man, we've, we've seen that. And in some ways, I, I, you know, I, I've made a few runs to the store. I get it. Uh, the opportunity, though, is we develop the mindset of Jesus who gave himself away, right? And so we can go through this, this crisis like this or like this. So the scarcity mindset, the fear mindset is this, and the mindset of Christ is this. Um, the danger is that we get used to not meeting together and we start falling away, not just from the church, but we just fall away from, from God, the Lord. The opportunities we go deeper with Jesus and grow stronger together. The danger is that we miss the opportunities. And the uh, opportunity is that we seize them. So here's, here's what I know. If I, could, if I could have another hour, I don't, don't worry. Um, I, I could tell you stories about at least this many storms that I've been through. Uh, those are personal storms, those are cancer storms, those are vocational storms, those are storms with kids, all kinds of things. And all I know is, man, those are hard. Those are super hard. God has met me in those storms. And at times he's replaced this, this choking fear with a deep settled peace that I couldn't explain because nothing had changed in that storm. What I know is God wants to use us for good in our lives and that hard and good go together. One of the opportunities we have is to just grow in our understanding of what it means to be the church. We've always said it, right? We gather on the weekends, but it's about us. It's the people gathered around God and his word. It's never been about a building. And so we're gonna grow. We have an opportunity to grow in our understanding of the church. We have an opportunity opportunity to grow in our understanding what the church looks like in community as we serve as his hands and his feet and so as a staff I can just tell you we're going to work overtime we've already had those conversations with people in in our community and how we can come alongside and help our partner schools but we want to be good family to each other and so let us know how we can care for you let us know how we can pray there's an opportunity for you to click on in our website under connect and pray and just send us your prayer request we'll probably actually send you an email make it even easier how can we help how can we pray we want to we want to bring all the resources we can to you so that you don't stall here 
that you are able to actually maximize the horrors of all that's going on or the other storm that's going on in your life that, that you're actually really dealing with more than COVID-19 to help you grow in this. So Moses said to his people long time ago, the great leader of the Israelites, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Let's pray. Merciful God, we turn to you and take refuge in you. And in doing so, Lord, we trust that this storm and the destructive nature of this storm will pass. We, we fall into your arms and plead for mercy, Lord. So fill us with hope and joy and peace and trust so that our lives actually overflow with hope, not fear, that there is a, an abiding peace and calm in our life, not just a bunch of flurry and activity and scattered thinking in our lives. Draw us close to yourself, use us to grow us, and use us to show others who you are, your love, your compassion for all. Lord, we are going to take you up on the offer of giving you our anxiety and our worry and taking you up that as we do that, you give us your peace. May it settle deep for each one we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.